to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, if you can't tell, we launched Christmas today at Humanity Church, which is great. Now, I always, this is always the weirdest year of the Christmas season, right? Because we just got off Thanksgiving, and some of us have our trees up, some of us don't yet, some of you are doing that today, some of you are there. So it's kind of like this weird in-between season that we find ourselves in. Now, if you've been around Humanity Church for any amount of time, you know that I am the weird pastor who does not really enjoy speaking about Christmas at Christmas time. For, for, there's a number of reasons for that. One is that no matter what I say, it ends up being cliché. It's just, it's just a giant cliche, right? And you go, you just, you just see all these phrases and use all, I mean, how much can you talk about shepherds and stars and angels and stables, right? And, and so anything, I've, anything I say, you've heard before, and so it's a little difficult to make it original or to connect to the depth of it. And some churches try to make it really kitschy to, to, like to, to, to really connect to it, you know, like a Charlie Brown Christmas, or, or I was watching on TikTok this morning that this church installed these flying drummers that go above the stage, and I thought, that probably wouldn't be the best use of our resources, but, but uh, you know, it's kind of like now when people talk about the pandemic, we're kind of like, yeah, we've heard it, right? We know all the stuff about the pandemic, we know all those things, and but here's the thing, just because we've heard it all, and just because it is cliche, doesn't mean that it's not one of the most profound moments in human history. In fact, some of the things that we are most familiar with are the most profound. Some of the things that, that we've heard over and over and over again touch us the most. So this Christmas, I want to bring some depth back to the season. So... One of the most fascinating aspects to me about Christmas is that it seems like all of human history throughout the scriptures has been leading up to this moment where Jesus appears on earth. And then it appears that everything else is like a ripple out into human history from this moment that we call history, call Christmas. Of course, this is how we base history on. We, all of human history counts down the years before Christ to this moment, and then we count down from this moment. So there's something profound about this moment that we call Christmas that, 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 that we measure even human history by. So could it be that Christmas was the, was the moment that humanity had been waiting for, that, that we've been actually waiting for this moment to happen, and that we are the, the recipients of this gift, and we are just a part of the ripple of human history that God is working out through Christmas. But why? What makes Christmas time so profound? See, I actually think it has to do with the name that Jesus was given. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, starting in verse 14. It says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, here's the thing. Names are important. 
I remember when I uh, first found out that Marla was pregnant, there was a rush of all of the responsibility that came with that as a dad. And among those things was the realization that I was going to be naming a human being. Now, that was a lot of responsibility in that moment because I realized that this was going to be a core part of their identity for the rest of their lives. And there was a responsibility that came with it because I didn't want to give them a weird name that people would make fun of the rest of their lives. And I didn't want to give them like a, a silly name that wasn't going to have much meaning to it. So we thought and we thought and we thought. And me being the free spirit, Marla said, you can name their middle names. You cannot name their first names. <laughs> But we, we compromised in, in that, even with that. And, and uh, so our, our firstborn, Jackson, Jackson Brave, his middle name is Brave. And I, I, I wanted that because his first name means God is faithful. And I wanted him to know that God is faithful and therefore you can live as a brave man because of his faithfulness. And so I wanted him to, to live with that reality in his life, that because of God's faithfulness, that we can live a brave life, that he could step into his bravery as a, as a man. And then when Colin came around, I, we were like, all right, how can, we, how can we give him the same weight to his name as Jackson Brave? And so we, we decided to name him Colin, which means victory for the people, that God is victorious for his people, that he will overcome anything, that he will, that he will defeat any enemy that comes their way, and blaze just meaning a trailblazer, that because God is victorious, that we create the future and we blaze paths for others. And so when we called him Colin Blaze, I wanted him to know that God will always be victorious and therefore you can blaze a trail through the future, stepping into what he has called you to. And so... It's interesting that in this passage, of all the things that they could say about Jesus, they say his name. That was very important. He shall be called Emmanuel. Because this name, Emmanuel, actually changes the game. This name, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It not only informs us of who God is, but it informs us of his intentions, of how he longs to relate to us. See, because he was not named God above us, that would be a very different type of God, right? That would be a God of, of, who was interested in relating to us with power and authority and being high and mighty, and we would be tempted to relate to a God above us that was only above us as a dictator in the sky, as someone who was just interested as exerting his authority. Or at worst, he might be disconnected or disinterested or, or would not be interested in connecting with us, aloof out there somewhere. He wasn't named God beneath us because who cares if there's a God who is impotent, who has no power to impact change, that, that, that really is disconnected from our human experience and doesn't have any relevancy to what we're doing here and now. And it would be tempting to relate to a God like that as like a wish list. It actually wasn't even God around us, which sounds like God with us, but if God around us, that would be very different from God with us because God around us, we would be tempted to relate to them like some mystical force out there, some energy field that's flowing in and every, through everything. And it would be tempted to relate to a God that is around us as some type of ATM that we could just connect to, plug into the source, and get what we wanted. It would be tempting to exploit a God who is simply around us. It would be very difficult to know who that God is. But when the scriptures give the name of Jesus, they say he is Emmanuel, God with us. There's some importance to that. When I was in my 20s, the thing that I wanted to do the most was travel the world. 
I, I just wanted to, I, I, I was speaking a lot at the time, and I just wanted to travel. I wanted to get on an airplane, and I wanted to go places. And I had the privilege of doing that a lot. I visited multiple countries. I was on an airplane at least once a month, and I was speaking at different locations, training at different locations, getting to meet with different leaders all over the world, and it was wonderful. And then I met Marla, and we've built a life together. And suddenly, now I found myself, when I was getting on an airplane, a little sad, because I was having to be away from her. And so I found myself begrudgingly getting on the airplane saying, all right, we'll go. It was still fun, it was still enjoyable, but it was more of a, a chore now than it was before. And then, little Jackson came along. And now when I got on an airplane, I was frustrated. Because I would be away, and Marla would be calling me and saying, you'll never believe what Jackson did today. He said the funniest thing. Oh, my gosh, he did this thing. I wish you should have been there. It was hilarious. And, and you know, it's beautiful that we have things like FaceTime, and we bought an Alexa in our house so we, I, could, I could jump in anytime I wanted to, and we could make phone calls. But it just wasn't the same, right? And then... Colin comes around, and now it's like, I do not want to get on an airplane at all. I do not want to be away. I, I, whenever I take a speaking opportunity or wherever I'm training, I always judge it very carefully based on how much time I have to be away from my kids. In fact, I am flying out to Tennessee on Thursday to do a training out there, and I booked the earliest flight back home because I did not want to be away for Christmas. And, and I realized in that moment that it went from I really, really wanted to be out there to I really, really, really just wanted to be present with my family. That, that being away was not as exciting as it had been because when you love someone with them is really the only thing that satisfies. When you love someone, being present and connected and with them is the only thing that matters when you find yourself away from that. See... A God that loves us so much that he wanted to inform us that his very name means God with us is intriguing. See, a God who claims to be the all-powerful creator, that he is strong and mighty, that he is all-knowing, and that he is all-present, and yet he speaks into human history that his name is Emmanuel, God with us, that of all places that he could reside, it would not be on a throne somewhere in the heavens, but it would be right here with us. Now that, that's unique. That, that's very different from what most people talk about. In fact, when I tell my kids about God, when I talk to them, even about how they are to pray, I tell them, God does not exist somewhere up there. In fact, I've told them, I don't want you looking up to the heavens when you pray to God. I even tell them, I don't want you closing your eyes when you pray. Unfortunately, that's bad for all the Sunday school teachers who have to tell the kids to fold their hands and close their eyes. My smart aleck kids say, you don't have to close your eyes. But anyhow... I want them to know that God is not out there. He's not up there. He is right here with us. That he is present with us in the moment, connected to us. See, Emmanuel, God with us, is the God who is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing. That he is authoritative and he is above us and around us, but that he is with us. See, because God with us also requires humility. 
That he is a God who has humbled himself that would say, I want to be present with you. That he is a God who is compassionate that says, I want to be present with you in your suffering. That he is a God who is extremely about service and how he can give back to us because he is God with us. See, this is not only God transcendent out there above all, around all, but he is extremely present here and now. And see, this is not God with us sometimes. See, because I think it's one thing if God's with us, but then he's like, peace out when things get difficult. (laughs) Or that he's like, yeah, I I was with you, but then I had to go take care of some business and now I'm back. Oops, I'm sorry, I messed up your life over here. This is God with us, period. Which means he is with us through all of the ups and all of the downs. He is with us through all of the heartbreak. He is with us through all of the beauty. He is with us with every circumstance and situation that we find ourselves Along the way, he chooses to be with us. And with his name, Jesus, Emmanuel, he was letting the world know not only his heart, but his intentions, that he longed to be intimate with us. In fact, the beautiful thing about Christmas, this moment, is that God physically becomes present with us in this person of Jesus. And Jesus lives this sinless life bringing beauty and hope and love and joy to the world around us. He reminds us of what it meant to be human. He informs us of what it means to fully live here and now. And then he died on a cross and he was sacrificed for our own darkness so that we could be made new, washed clean, and that everything could be restored around us. And then he, he gives us this invitation in Colossians 1, 26 through 27. It says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, It wasn't actually enough for God, Emmanuel, just to be with you. He's not actually interested in just like walking alongside of you. He longs to actually be in you. He longs to dwell within the very essence of who you are. That it wasn't even enough to be God like alongside of you, like your best buddy, that he longs to transform you from the inside out, that his spirit would live within you and make everything new in the process. And this is the power of God declaring himself Emmanuel, with us, intimate, connected, present. So the question before us this Christmas isn't, is God with us? I think the more pertinent question is, are we with God? How do you relate to a God who has already said, I am with you, period? I'm not going anywhere. I have no intention of leaving. Try as you might. Give me your worst. I am staying, How do we relate to that type of God? See, the question is, will we respond to his invitation of Emmanuel? Will you allow yourself to experience the fullness of him? And so this Christmas, we're going to be looking at moments throughout the Christmas story, but we're going to be looking at it through a little different lens. Our communicators are going to be sharing with you moments in their own life story where God has shown up as Emmanuel where God has been present with them, moving through them, speaking through them, engaging in them, and looking at how those connect to this 
ancient narrative of God becoming man, stepping into human story. That hopefully Emmanuel won't just be a moment in human history, but that Emmanuel will be a reality that we live in here and now. That God is with us, present, not sometimes, all the times, here and now. And so we're going to invite you this year, as we step into this Christmas season, to relate to God as Emmanuel, with you. And allow yourself to be surprised, shocked, overwhelmed, filled with the reality that God is present with you. So what I'd like for you to do right now is I'd like for you to find one or two other people around you. And I'd like for you just to answer this question. What changes in how you relate to God when you relate to him as Emmanuel? You can relate to him as all kinds of things, right? You can relate to him as God Almighty. You can relate to him as God the Savior. You can relate to him as God the Father. But when you relate to him as God Emmanuel with you, what does that change in your own spiritual journey? I know for me, there's a sense of nothing is impossible. There's a sense of like, man, anything can happen in any moment because God is present here with me. So I want you just to think, if you were to relate to God all the time as Emmanuel here present with you, how does that change your spiritual journey, your outlook on who he is and your outlook on life? So if you're present, go ahead and find someone around you and answer that question. If you're online, I want you to get on the chat. Don't just go get some coffee right now. Get on the chat and just answer this question about how this changes how you relate to God. We'll take a few minutes and then we'll come right back. My name is Ann Swanson and I'm a communicator here with Humanity Church. Thank you. I was just looking at the faithful here. Everyone else is on a turkey overdose at home. Hopefully watching online, but thank you for being here today. I'm glad. I was thinking this feels like a small, intimate setting where you're going to hear my travel stories and see my videos and my birth story and hear my birth videos. You know, those kind of videos that you go like, oh, I really don't want to watch that. No, just kidding. But, but I'm really honored to talk today about a, a moment in my life, a season really, where God showed up, where Emmanuel came. And we'll take you a long time ago in a far, far away land, once upon a time. Um, I was young, I was 27 years old, and I had just gotten married, had gotten out of counseling school, had bought a house, and also was pregnant. So it was this rich, full, wonderful time of my life. I was so excited for all the new changes and everything happening. Um, and what I learned during that time, which was new for me, was maybe you know this, but when a mother has a baby, there's literally cells that go back and forth inside in utero. You can see the online picture here that actually go back and forth between the mother and the baby. And there's been a lot of research about these cells can actually heal the mother. They can um, in, in, connect in the brain. They can find those cells 18 year, up to 18 years later. So when there's a, a connection with the mother and baby, it affects both mother and baby a lot for a lifetime. We talk about intuition and mother and child bonding and connections. There's lots of research and scientific fact about that. So as I was growing in my pregnancy and being really excited to have a baby and a parent, um, what I didn't realize was 10 to 15% of women their first time pregnant actually have miscarriages. I don't know if that would have made a difference to me, but uh, it, it helps to know it's not an unusual experience, but um, within about 10, 11 weeks, I started to not feel so great. And by the 12th week, in the middle of the night, I started spotting and ended up with a miscarriage. Um, 
should have gone to the hospital, that's a whole other story, but was alone in the middle of the night experiencing some of the pain of miscarriage and loss. And some of you that have been here that have gone through infertility in your own life, maybe have had miscarriages or even abortions, know that there's a havoc in your body that's wrecked with all this connection and this intimate kind of way that a baby forms in a mother's womb. So a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow during that time. And I began to realize fear started developing in me, like, oh, I don't want to do this again. Like, this was pretty scary. Like, there's a life inside of you. Um, there's God, the creator, that gives life. But there's also stuff that can happen, right? So I was going through the season of grief. And um, a friend of ours came through town. He was a friend that went to school with me. His name was Salim. And he was a very... Um, proactive, excited person for God, and he had moved to Palestine, Israel to do work there where he came from, and he came back to raise some money, he came through our house, and the minute before he came into our house, I turned to my husband and I said, you know, Salim is one of those salesman people that want you to do what he's doing in life, and he's going to convince us to move to Israel, and we looked at each other, we were like, nope, we just bought a house, I just started a business, I just had this miscarriage, we're not moving to Israel, that's a really bad idea right now. Um, Salim came walking into our house, and I don't know if any of you have had these experiences, but I can think, it was like 35 years ago, I can still remember the actual light changed in the room, um, something happened, and I looked over at my husband, and I said, we're going to Israel. Yeah. So within, we both looked at each other and knew this calling of God was there. And I, I can liken it almost to a birth, like conception. At the exact same moment, we both knew there was a seed that God put in us. It didn't seem practical. It didn't seem like a smart idea. My parents were freaking out about it. Um, you know, it didn't seem like a good business plan that I had just started. It did not seem like a good investment because of our house. By the way, the house went up $200,000 while we were gone. So whatever seems logical sometimes in your plans, God can have some other plans. So we looked at each other. We're like, yep, okay, we're moving. So we started to prepare, going to Israel for that season, and we were going to work at a, a place called Beit Emanuel, which was a special teaching school for um, both Messianic Jews and Arab Christians in Tel Aviv. During that same week, I actually conceived too. So I was pregnant physically, and here we were birthing a new story to go to Israel too. So that became even more like, should I really go to Israel? Here I am pregnant, I've had a miscarriage, what happens with healthcare over there? I don't, understand. I don't know the healthcare system. I don't know what it's going to be like to travel. What does that mean for my body? On top of that, a man that interviewed me called me after our interview to go, and he said, Ann, you're a woman. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> got that. And he said, you're a woman. You're not going to be accepted in this culture. You don't even speak Hebrew. You um, aren't Jewish. What do you think you're doing? You're going pregnant. He tried to convince me and talk me out of everything. Um, so I had doubts in my own mind. I had negative people th saying things outside. And yet, we both felt like this was the call of God. This was a conception that we didn't even really understand all the implications for it, but we both were clear, as clear could be, that this was a pathway we should follow, despite circumstances, despite what seemed practical at the moment. 
So we moved to Israel in June, and uh, the baby was due in December. We moved there, and um, I began to look around for health care and figure out what, how to have a baby in a different country. Um, socialized medicine uh, is pretty strong there, not to say anything bad about it, but it wasn't something that I felt very comfortable with. And we had a midwife at our, my community that decided she would talk to me about giving, having a home birth. So I went that direction. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I was 29 years, 28 years old, I didn't know much about birth, and I'd never seen a birth, I'd never been present at birth. I'd only watched ER on TV. And you know what, babies come like in five minutes when the director says cut, you know, the, the baby comes. Well, that's not really how life goes. <laughs> My birth was 72 hours. Yeah, and so there was a part of me going like, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. I didn't sleep for 72 hours. My midwife said, you guys get up and walk around Tel Aviv. Walking is supposed to help birth and labor. It was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Um, and what I found in that time, delirious from birthing and everybody else falling asleep around me, was that there was comfort in the scripture. And uh, someone from scriptures that really spoke to me through the scriptures, uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, was under many circumstances not exactly similar to mine, but that I think I could relate to. Someone who was very young, didn't have a lot of experience. There was a lot of negative reasons for her and her birthing process, and yet her faithfulness was so strong about God's intention for her, this uh, gift that he was giving her through this conception and through this birth. So let's take a minute and look at the song called Mary's Magnificat, which is a prayer and a song it says in scripture about how Mary rejoiced. I would like to say I had this attitude all the time. I didn't, I don't, but I want to invite you into this attitude with me. Can we pull that up? And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This was a prayer that Mary, then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So this was something she sang and prayed right when she realized she was pregnant. What I imagine is she also sang this and uh, repeated this during her whole pregnancy. But for me, this was a grounding prayer for 72 hours. Because I thought, you know what? If God created this, he's not going to leave me or forsake me. If God created this child, I can have the endurance to go through 72 hours and give it my best shot. So for those of you that are sitting here thinking, well, this is a talk for women and pregnancy, I just want to shift and say... Throughout scriptures, there's so many images about um, create creativity and God's conception in us. And one of the major places is starting with, we are to become like children and to be born again. And that's always been a little confusing, but when I thought about it like this, the born again, the humbleness of being a child dependent on God, and what Nathan was talking about, Emmanuel in us, with us, and that image of the uterus and the baby and the connection with God, how intimate is that? That literally our cells and our spirit would, 
would merge with the God of creation, and that he would birth ideas, dreams, visions through us as his children to change the world. That's exciting to me. So one of the things I was thinking and praying about today was what things in your life are you possibly resisting? What things in my life am I resisting that God wants to birth in me? What things, uh, dreams and visions, what things, if I knew that nothing could stop me, no finances, no limits, no lack of talent on my own, what things would I want to do for God? And if God is the creator of the universe and wanting to birth this in us, that's an exciting concept. Mary says that to us from scriptures. I believe in God. I give God my all, and I'm going to let him birth through me whatever his will is. So with that, I would like you to turn with each other and think about that for a moment. If there was no limits in your life, if there was no hesitations, what would you dream of that you could do in your life for others? Maybe it's that friend you haven't called for months that you got in a fight with six months ago and you haven't repaired it. Maybe it's something about a dream that you let go of 10 years ago and you've never let God back in to do that. Maybe it's going to Nathan or the elders and saying, hey, I have a ministry idea, but I've been too scared to approach it. Maybe it's something about a nonprofit building houses with some of the people in our congregation. But what would it be if you could dream and have no limits, no reservations, and no resistance in your own life? What would you be open for God to do? So go ahead and take a few minutes. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.